I am better equipped and better prepared. And the community around me is also better prepared to help me and support me. I just have to have this leap of faith, um, just like I had in the beginning of my journey, that I will make it um, with my own effort, with my own wits and endurance and capability, but as well as the support of the community around me, I will make it. And I have had so far. I think at this point, it's almost like considering myself and my career and my happiness as some sort of religion, where I just give myself an unconditional faith that I will make it and I will get the help I need. That was Judy Park, and you're listening to the Leadership, Equity, and Wellness Pod by Ricky Roy. As a South Korean international student and a queer person, Judy is passionate about providing support to underrepresented minorities in aerospace. They serve as the chair of the International Women of Aeronautics and Astronautics, which is a member of AIAA, the largest professional aerospace organization in the world. Judy is an aerospace engineering master's student at Virginia Tech researching plasma material interaction. Prior to their graduate studies, they were a system performance engineer at Cummins and an astrodynamics intern at Morpheus Space. They graduated from Purdue University with bachelor's degrees in both aeronautical and astronautical engineering and mathematics. Judy was a 2021 AIAA Diversity Scholar and a 2022 Z-Factor Fellow. Outside of aerospace, Judy accepts art commissions as a freelance artist and enjoys weightlifting. Our recording starts now. Welcome, Judy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me here, Ricky. Super excited for this podcast. So I'm really excited to talk about the first topic that you said would be meaningful to talk about. And I'd love to know about your journey in using art to unwind from your classes, the international student job hunt, research, etc. Yeah, um, it's, it's such a fun topic to talk about, but also super challenging because as an artist, I don't even think I understand art thoroughly, but I'm going to share what my how my journey has looked so far, um, learning and practicing art, which should be for everyone. So as someone pursuing aerospace engineering quite late in my um, lifetime, unlike a lot of other um, students who are starting super early at like the age of six or seven, I always felt like I was behind and I was always running out of time because I had to catch up with all of the um, aerospace trivia. I had to catch up with all of the knowledges that I have not built. I have all of the experiences that I have not had in earlier ages. So art often became like a secondary priority compared to airspace engineering and just generally my career. And that always have been a challenge because I love art. I, I enjoy art so much um, to the degree that I didn't choose art as my um, uh, as my job because I didn't want to hate it. <laughs> I don't know if that's uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I, I literally didn't choose art because I wanted to have this one thing that I unconditionally love. Mm -hmm. And the fact that because I made that choice now, I don't even get to have time to do art was kind yeah. of this irony that I um, did not like so much. And I think as time passed, I just learned how to um, be more flexible and to somehow keep art in the vicinity of my life while still pursuing the very um, rigorous process of getting an aerospace degree and pursuing this career, which was finding a reason to do the art. Um, for a lot of people, it could be just um, to have fun uh, or just to de-stress or just because they love art. Um, I, I personally struggled with letting myself do art 
um, while I have other assignments and other responsibilities coming up, just why I, this is my personal case, I started painting portraits of my friends um, as their birthday gift. So I'm basically spending like an hour or two, maybe three, um, thinking about this friend and dedicating my time for this friend because um, I'm investing my time in this very precious friend in my life. And now it gave me this different perspective that, oh, this is not waste of time. Like I hate to say it because art is never waste of time, but I it gives me more value and sense of joy um, when I am spending time on my art. So maybe finding this kind of reason, whether it be self-care, whether it be um, whatever purpose or goal or um, interest you have in your life, give it, giving that kind of meaning to the artwork you do, no matter how trivial it is, always gives you, um, like it makes it easier to keep doing art without draining yourself or feeling like you're wasting time or feeling like you're falling behind in your career. So yeah, that is, I guess, one example of how to keep up with art while pursuing a very rigorous career like a lot of us are doing. I love that. And I think what's so interesting is that I had a very similar experience in wanting to pick up watercolor painting again and when I did it for myself uh, I realized that in just wanting to paint different strokes or do things that were more abstract I wasn't as happy with what I was creating compared to when I had some sort of vision or intention for the recipient of what I was making and I started to again like you shared make these watercolor pieces for people I knew in my life I'm actually staring at um, a watercolor postcard I have on my coffee table that I was uh, making for my boyfriend's birthday and I just think that's so interesting and I think what you shared helps to normalize that feeling of this thing brings me so much joy. Why does it still feel like I'm wasting time when I'm on this hamster wheel of assignments of this industry I also care about? It's really hard to want to address both. And I'm so happy that you were able to speak to that. So I'd love to know a little bit more on your tips on exploring different art mediums and then mm -hmm. turning it into a small business and monetizing it, you know, only if you want to. But I'm curious about your journey and thought process with that. Yeah, absolutely. So regarding being an artist that receives commission, um, Obviously, if you're just this individual artist without um, much network to like um, share your artwork or start selling, um, it can feel very daunting. Um, for me, the way I started this, um, it's it's weird to say business because now I'm like kind of on and off on this matter, <laughs> but um, was actually was wasn't very ideal of a start in the beginning. Um, I was a high school student in the United States um, who was having financial crisis. Um, I was starving. I had, um, like for a lot of international students, situations can be very tough when it comes to um, immigration status or general um, financial situation. And I was one of them, unfortunately. And I had to find ways to feed myself and have money to apply for college and everything that this is how I started and I started um, getting recognized in my high school art class where um, people wanted to start buying my art and people started um, asking me hey do you want to paint a mural at my house or whatnot and then it started very small and I started sharing my artwork um, kind of as this crude portfolio on Instagram um, with uh, the art community and then my friends 
it kind of started in the very local level in that sense. You don't have to envision being this biggest artist in the world who whose artwork everyone knows. You, you don't have to envision being a Banksy. You just have to give um, the joy and the sensory um, experience to the people who are around you. And that's like, that's a solid start, I would say. That's how I began starting to paint murals and sell artworks um, or even serve as a um, face paint artist for some of my um, uh, friends' uh, birthday parties or little kids' birthday parties. Like my artwork and commissions don't really have boundaries in that sense. I think that's the best part when you are having a very small business because people love your artistic sense and the sensory experience you give them um, rather than the specific um, very specific things that bigger artists or bigger uh, branding identities would provide. So that is very fun. And um, yeah, that, I, I would say that's how I started um, monetizing my art. Um, for people who are getting started with their artwork um, or after a long while like I was or um, someone who is just getting started to learn and explore different mediums or whatnot, I would highly suggest just especially um, focusing on the fact that Ricky, you are an amazing um, meditation guide. Um, I think art could be a very effective and strong medium for meditation. You can ground yourself um, with these sensory experiences as you use the medium. I would um, say that learning the techniques with different mediums, you can go to an art class or different art communities that have all of those um, resources. And, um, you know, like if you need a watercolor, they're probably gonna have something, right? Mm -hmm. I would... <laughs> Like you, you don't have to get everything yourself and get your house fully set up for an artwork to be an artist. There are mm -hmm. so many resources and locations that you can just go and tell them, hey, I want to do this. And they're going to love your presence over there and they're going to support with all of their effort. I would just say as a beginner or as someone who is returning to art after a um, arduous day at work um, or career, I would say just take it slow. Um, don't focus on techniques or how to do things right. Just feel the medium, feel the paint, just do it. And, you know, maybe have some music going on because that's another sensory experience. Have some people that are very important to you and help you feel grounded next to you. Um, have good food, whatever it means to um, give you that happy and solemn experience in space. I think that is a great way to give you a positive impression and feeling when you are practicing art. I think that's where everyone should start. I love that. And thank you so much for comparing it to meditation and just it being a meditative experience because something that I've heard from my peers, my friends, people who may have been passionate about it when they were younger and then school and university got in the way or maybe it just stopped being quote unquote cool somewhere along the way. But something that I've heard from them is that they find it so hard to sit there for a while. And that duration of time isn't even that long. Like, even 20 minutes feels uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I think that's very interesting because of the discomfort we might have from doing something meditative, like to the discomfort of slowing down when you've been going so fast and slowing down in a way where it's not just, you know, taking a shower, watching a TV show, going to sleep, like being able to just be present with your thoughts can sometimes mm -hmm. feel so uncomfortable if it's not a practice. And the fact that, yes, like this action is a practice, just like meditation, which can feel 
so uncomfortable to people. Like one minute might feel too long. And then suddenly when you can do five minutes, seven minutes might feel too long and 10 and so forth. And so I think what I'm personally navigating is being a good meditator, but then being uncomfortable personally at sitting with the art because I remember this summer after graduating from my master's degree, I felt so jittery in creating. And all of my circumstances were so positive and uplifting, but I couldn't fully get behind this thing I loved because of how uncomfortable it felt because I was so out of touch with it. It's like if you haven't read a book in a very long time, even though you used to devour books when you were a kid, it's it can feel so uncomfortable. And I think it takes this mindset shift to keep trying and to keep giving it a chance and not to say, oh, I'm not a reader anymore or I'm not an artist anymore. I think like what you shared, you can show up in whatever capacity and even challenge yourself to push through the discomfort a little bit until it becomes that enjoyable again. And that's such a great point um, when it comes to setting your environment appropriately so that you feel relaxed and you feel deserving of this meditation or art you're doing. Um, Whether it be food or great people or music or um, maybe it could be incense, whatever it takes to make that space as welcoming as possible and comfortable as possible. And then you can truly feel like I own this pigment and I own this moment of meditation. Um, and this is the gift I am giving for myself. And that's when you can feel like, okay, I am fully receptive of this um, rejuvenating moment, just like you're in like a um, whether it be a massage therapy shop or a nail salon, wherever you go to truly gift yourself, that's the um, set of environment that I personally try to set up when I do artwork, because even I, as someone who sell my artwork, sometimes feel uncomfortable um, when I'm just trying to do random artwork in the middle of my apartment that could feel kind of out of place throughout my day or in my place but you can intentionally set up your environment and um, your sensory experience and how you feel so that you feel like you truly own that moment and own the pigment, the pencil, the paper, whatever you are working on. I love this. Thank you so much for sharing that with me, especially because you have had these experiences even as a student, whereas I am now picking it back up after graduation. And so I think it's so commendable that you've been able to find those pockets of peace and clarity through this. And thank you so much for sharing your story with it. And I would love to talk a little bit more about our second topic, which is weightlifting. And I'd love to know how you approached incorporating fitness into your life and schedule, especially with all the changes between high school, then college, the journey in college, the volatility there with the pandemic, and then applying to graduate school, all the internships in between. I just feel as though international students and foreign nationals have such a dynamic life that is hard to describe to locals in any country. And I'd love to know about how fitness and weightlifting sort of was incorporated into this volatility. Yes, absolutely. The word choice of volatility is amazing. Um, I truly felt that in my heart as another international student um, studying aerospace in the United States, as our um, educational or residential status, work status are constantly evolving. Um, obstacles pop out out of nowhere, Pandemic was one of them. Um, maybe for um, US citizens who are attending school, they 
for them, the biggest change would have been going home and then maybe getting stuck at home. But for us, there were a lot of um, residential or financial issues, so many different things popping up that is just actively working against your routinely um, serenity. And, you know, the routines you have to keep yourself grounded, like art or workout, whatever it be for individuals. I think for me, the way I started weightlifting was kind of, I okay, I shouldn't use bad words. So basically, I, I was so lost when I first came to the United States as someone who is not even fluent in English, uh, didn't know the American culture, didn't know the people around me, didn't know what to do. And in my limited headspace, I had to make my choice of, okay, what is easier for me to get started if I don't have the fluency, if I don't have the connection with the other people yet? I try to find something that is the most um, natural and intuitive for everyone, which was um, physical activities. And it was kind of also a defiance where I was starting my journey in STEM and specifically aerospace engineering, where most people are men and most people are the ones with um, what, not the minorities. And same often happens at the gym as well. Um, oftentimes, most people at the gym are men who are jacked, um, who have been working on weightlifting for many, many years, they already have the foundation, just like me jumping into aerospace very, very late in my life, um, competing with other people who have started very much early with a, a lot more resources and time than I did. Um, except the growth of mine in weightlifting came a lot more linearly than uh, my growth in the career, which was a great motivation for me to um, Give myself the faith that, hey, um, all you have to do is go to the gym and work out and you get stronger and there you go. And it's it was just much easier and intuitive for me to even build my community and network that way too um, when I couldn't even articulate my feelings or my thoughts, my plans, my backgrounds and everything. People came to me and they were like, wow you're working hard or wow, you're strong, whatever it is. That's how I started my conversation in the very beginning of my journey in the United States. Same for probably math because math is pretty universal. Like all of the numbers and symbols are the same across the world, you know? So those are the places that I got myself started when I could not, um, I, I was not connected to my own community. I When I was not sure where I can go from that moment. I started from the very rudimental things that I know works. And, and, and there you go. It's, it's basically been like a Pavlov's dog kind of situation where now when I'm stressed and when I feel lost, okay, gym. <laughs> Let's just go to the gym and think about it. Whatever the sacred space and whatever sacred environment you may have it could be weightlifting it could be something else for you that was gym for me and as i worked out as i invested into my body which is a vehicle that propels me through this career as i um built more endurance and built more um strength in my mind and body uh, in the gym that was basically my sacred space and that's where um the very fundamental um way of strengthening myself happened and encouraging myself to keep going and just giving myself a break from everything and just thinking about me and revisiting how I feel in this in this sense it's very similar to meditation I guess except I am grunting and sweating and <laughs> lifting heavy things so you don't have to do hour and 30 of workout every single day to be a deserving gym rat or whatever it is. I usually just give myself whatever I feel like doing at the moment. I don't even do anything longer than 40 minutes, to be honest, these days, especially when grad school is kicking my butt. 
And that is more than enough. You're doing a great job, um, whatever it is, no matter how short the time spending is, just keep going and make it like a comfortable activity for yourself rather than daunting and exhausting one. And one that happens to be weightlifting for you, for me, for you, it could be something different, but you know, just keep in mind that usually workouts in um, whatever kind of sports or workouts are helpful for you to build endurance and clear out your mind scientifically. So maybe try out many different variations of workout on um, whether it be solitary, like weightlifting or working with other people like sports or even CrossFit. I love so that. It's, yeah, it's really your journey to just try things out. Not Don't take things too seriously. Just find whatever works for you. And it might take 20 years like it did for me. It might take 40 years. Who knows? Don't be discouraged if, if things don't work out for you. Just move on and find something that works for you. I love this. And in my case, it might take 24 years and I'm still figuring it out. And what I would love to know about is how you navigated any feelings of discomfort or intimidation when you first started so that others listening, if they have tried to get started and then failed, how they can sort of pick themselves back up to go because I personally had tried during my I want to say senior year of high school and then throughout my undergraduate degree to do workouts in the form of they were strength training but hit in nature mm-hmm. using different apps to see how it could be done but there was this underlying element of uncertainty or discomfort in doing the movements where it felt as though it could have been really useful to have gotten that guidance. And now as a working professional, I have personal training as an option, but oftentimes students don't. And so I'm curious as to how you essentially navigated that uncertainty to build the foundation because even though this is an area that as you shared is linear it's in your control I have oftentimes felt like it is so challenging that it is out of my control like that barrier in getting stronger feels so elusive to me which I think is so interesting and so I definitely hope that there are other people like me out there who found it challenging to continue because I haven't seen the changes necessarily Like, it hasn't felt like a linear journey. It's felt a bit like going in circles. And, yeah, that's my take on trying that in undergrad. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. This is, you know, a real-life workshopping session on how to get this to stick. But everything that you shared is something that I just have aspired for for so long but have never been able to find my flow in um and so I guess it's a good thing I have this podcast so I can ask people like yourself questions like this but I would love to know your thoughts yeah absolutely so um just to clarify a little bit more on when I said the linearity is that um it it just felt more linear than my own career for me. It's it is definitely most definitely not linear. Um, to make a more accurate comparison, I guess it just felt like a polynomial of lower degree <laughs> and fewer var- uh fewer variables that could go wrong, fewer possibilities of you know ruining my plan like my journey in airspace. I just personally felt like going to the gym was a little bit 
easier of a maintenance task than keeping up with my aerospace career. I, I hope that makes you feel a little better about yourself because I my journey in fitness was never linear either. And I always stop and go and stop and go about gym too. And I don't really stop myself from doing that either. I think the best part about um, fitness is that even if you stop going to the gym for a while, like a lot of us during the pandemic, the time it takes for you to come back to the point that you were is actually shorter because your body remembers and your body um, body has been there before. It, like, it has the capability to bounce back easier than it took to grow to that point for the first time. So I don't think anyone should feel bad that they slacked or felt, fell behind because you will be back there in a blink. Um, even with weightlifting, which is usually a little more intuitive to see your own growth because oftentimes a lot of things are um, quantified, like the amount of weight you can squat or deadlift. It's a little bit easier to see how fast you got back to the point that you were um, than the HIIT workout or um, other kinds of more calisthenics that are a little less obvious to see your own progress, which honestly is the challenging part because if you don't see the validation that you are doing great and you are um, making progress, oftentimes it could be difficult to have faith in your journey and keep up. Honestly, maybe that's why I chose weightlifting because um, my brain <laughs> is just not um, equipped to feel like I am doing great all at all moments and weightlifting just happens to be giving me that number pretty easily. So that's just how it worked out for me. Um, for a lot of people who feel intimidated to start working out or start going to the spaces or just generally dip your toe into the fitness is, um, like you said, oftentimes guidance could not be very affordable. And same situation for me when I started fitness, because like I said, in high school, I had some financial crisis and I wasn't in a situation where I could afford private gym or um, private guidance in fitness, which is why I looked for resources that were around me that were readily available at lower free cost, which is the case for most people. You just have to um, adjust your routine or your um, fitness activities to fit that resource, which not which is not always ideal, but that's where I started. I started attending weightlifting course in my high school. Oftentimes, a lot of colleges offer free um, courses in fitness from their own gym. Um, if you go to like a one of the bigger universities, whether it be Georgia Tech or the Purdue and Virginia Tech, the ones I went, they always have free courses available. And even if you don't have um, institutes or resources around you, it's 2022, you have YouTube. And sometimes I, when it's a rainy day like today for me in Virginia, or when um, in my transition periods, when I don't have the school gym, when I don't have the access to private gym, then I just do work out from home. I put on my cute gym gear so that I can feel like I'm, you know, getting into this moment where I'm really investing in my vehicle and um, have some nice cup of tea, um, sometimes chai that my boyfriend makes, the authentic ones, and <laughs> whatever, um, whatever helps you feel like you can get into that kind of rejuvenating and meditative moments, um, even if it's not a private gym, even if it's not personal training, you can always tailor the experience for yourself um, if you just ad adapt yourself a little bit and make things work. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much, especially for talking through something that, again, might feel for folks, at least it did for me as an undergraduate student, equally as hard as the career piece. Like I think the fitness aspect for me has felt even more daunting sometimes and sometimes the bits in my career fell into place 
more effectively than the routines and processes surrounding the career. And I think that's a really big reason why I have this podcast so that I can have these conversations and then, you know, share it with others who might be feeling the same way. So I really appreciate you talking through that. I would love to talk about our last topic, which is courage. And what I'd love to know is what type of resources did you use to boost your courage to navigate your toughest challenges as a international student, especially from high school? So a lot of international students I knew of started in their undergraduate career, but you started even earlier. And throughout the podcast, you've mentioned a couple of those challenges, but there were, I'm sure, so many others that came up in our unique journeys. And I'd love to know about the tools you used to work through that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it would be funny if I call this a tool, but it's <laughs> a type of mindset that I've always had from the very beginning of my journey studying in the United States um, and starting my career in STEM and aerospace engineering. I can't even count how many times I just used the courage coming from just bluntly speaking, um, not knowing what it is. When you don't know it enough, you have the courage <laughs> because you don't know what's coming to you, right? And I think that was one of my biggest driving force in the beginning of my journey. Just, I didn't stop myself from um, being worried about some of the um, obstacles I may face or the sticky situation I may face that I don't even know yet. I just jumped right into it first because we'll figure it out. And <laughs> when I did fall into the ditches, which was too many times to count, I luckily, or maybe this is the case for most of you, I had someone to bring me out um, or I had the resource where I found a solution to get out of it. I just started getting myself moving first. And then I obviously always got in some kind of trouble because when you don't know how to approach things the most effectively, when you're an international student embarking on a journey in a completely different place with completely different culture and resources and environment, then you are going to get in trouble. That's for facts. And you don't know what problem it's going to be. So I just, my logic was that let's just get started first because I'm anyways going to get in trouble and there should be someone who's going to help me. And I guess that is kind of like a more, um, I don't know, maybe an attitude that I shouldn't recommend over here, but I was like, hey, you good friends, you should help me. No, <laughs> you know, absolutely. when I, yeah, and I think I'm that in that's need. Yeah, important to think of. And um, I definitely think what you touched on is very important. And there's nuance there because, yeah, when you don't know, then you don't know the bad thing that's going to happen. <laughs> so you might as well try. Yep, that's how I got started. Um, obviously, now, um, after eight years of um, studying abroad in the United States, I know a lot more and um, there's a lot more fear arising from knowing what could happen and what has happened to me in the past. Um, I try to remind myself that I am better equipped and better prepared and the community around me is also better prepared to help me and support me. I just have to have this leap of faith, um, just like I had in the beginning of my journey, that I will make it um, with my own effort, with my own wits and endurance and capability, but as well as the support of the community around me, I will make it. And I have had so far. I think at this point, it's almost like considering myself and my career and my happiness as some sort of religion, where I just give myself an unconditional faith that I will make it and I will get the help I need because um, obviously not everyone's going to give you the help. But when I asked like 200 people, a few came back to me and gave me the help because 
because I had faith in my community and I've been giving to my community the support and the resources, um, just like Women of Aeronautics and Astronautics, the organization that I work for, um, I have worked hard to foster this community. And when I am in need, they come back to me and give me the support that I need. And I think that's the best part. I just have this unconditional faith that I will make it, you will make it, we as a community will support each other and we won't just let someone fall down. That's- wow, that is incredible, the, yeah. Judy. Thank you so much. You have articulated so much of what I have tried to teach other international students online and nudge them towards is that unconditional faith in self and what you shared is so moving and it is the answer I it has been the answer for me it is what I came to and leaned on when literally I felt like everything was going to shit and you you have to kind of like have that religion of self because like there are so many instances where it feels like okay no one's coming to help me because you don't have that self-belief and so as you lean on yourself first and clear your head through the weightlifting through the art whatever it takes you get the clarity and the creativity to know who and how to reach out to because it takes effort and clarity to reach out to 200 people in a effective way that can bring you closer to the place that you want to be at that takes so much effort and intention and it's not just dilly-dallying and it's not just sitting there waiting for things to come to you and what you just said literally has been the way I've navigated everything when shit really hit the fan so thank you this was very important this was a really important message I really appreciated that you resonated with my experience and the way international students experiences pan out um, in the field of aerospace and STEM is so different because this group of international students is basically like a miscellaneous group of people that is not domestic. We all come from different countries, upbringing, resource, um, environment, culture, just so many different variables that one solution fits all never works. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just have to establish your own axioms and your own solutions that works just for you, tailored. And that comes from having unconditional faith in yourself that you will make it and you are, yeah, you are right. Like, I'm, I'm not talking in like a social political way, but <laughs> I'm, talk I'm talking in like the way you're advancing in your career and life and happiness is the right way. And you need to just trust yourself and start establishing routines that help you, which is essentially like a ritual. You are basically designing yourself and your life in the best way to serve you and no one else will do it for you. Not even another international student will do it for you. And something that works for me won't always work for you, even though we are two international students and just accepting that and being the biggest supporter for yourself and having faith in yourself, I think is the most important thing. Like I, you said. Absolutely. I just thought of how the ritual is in a way to sort of like, pray to yourself or like the meditation you're like tapping in within and yeah this was a really powerful conversation Judy thank you so much I really appreciate all of this I would love to jump into our rapid fire round if that's okay with you my first yeah, question sure. for you is what does wellness mean to you 
wellness, wellness. Like I said, um, my body and mind is the vehicle that propels me forward in career and life. It is the temple where I can connect to myself and I can deliver my messages and intentions to make things happen. And in order to do that, you need to take care of your body and mind in the best way you could. And my routines, or like I compared to rituals, um, try to focus on serving myself um, with the best interest and intention to ensure that this vehicle, this temple can last a hundred years. Um, Thank you. Yeah. What does effective leadership mean to you? Effective leadership is something that we have to constantly learn throughout our life because it's again what not never a one size fits all. Um, just because you're a great leader in one community doesn't mean that you will be a great leader in another community. And in that sense, always being open to being flexible and adaptable, willingness to listen and serve the different people that you get to meet and work with and putting yourself in other people's shoes is probably give, gonna give you the greatest chance to be an effective leader. And there's never an answer to this. Like even if you're like a 70 year old world leader, you're never going to be a perfect leader. You're always going to be a lifelong learner and just adapting that attitude as you um, gratefully serve as a leader of one community is probably the best bet. <laughs> in being the most effective leader. Oh, I love that. Okay, tell me about your morning and or night routine and what helps you bounce back if you ever fall off track? Yes, um, I worked so hard to establish this Pavlov's dog kind of response because it's so hard when you are a lazy bum like me <laughs> trying to make things work and when things are falling out it's really hard to make yourself uh, make your brain programmed to think of or do something um which is actively against your laziness and your exhaustion and this is one thing I worked really hard on um for me it was gym for me it was a morning coffee um which I tried to by the way tried so many different ways to make coffee so that it fits my morning um, condition the best and for me it happens to be this concentrated espresso <laughs> that I can just pour into my cup and then I pour water and milk oat milk yep and it just worked out the best for me because I love espresso um, over drip coffee that's just me like again it could be this trivial and I but guess what it propels me throughout the day it could be something as trivial and detailed and insignificant as choosing what coffee to drink and how to make it. But maybe that it that could be the key to your life. And that's where I found the hope that I can maybe find better solutions for my daily routine throughout my life. I am now um, experimenting with different types of um, flavors I can add to the coffee that makes my stomach feel less bloated and feel mm -hmm. like I can like keep going this time I'm actually trying out Earl Grey syrup which makes oh, wow. my coffee yeah which makes my coffee Earl Grey latte and mm. it's been working out great and Ghirardelli chocolate sauce best chocolate sauce you can ever find in the market it's only mm -hmm. five dollars <laughs> <laughs> like oh, I said amazing. tiny tiny things that serves you the best mm -hmm. um, don't neglect the signs and th that your body and mind is giving you listen to them and mm -hmm. make them happy and that's maybe that. all it takes yes oh I love that thank you so much and just on that note I was wondering if there is anything else that you would like to share about any of the topics that we've discussed anything you would like to add yeah, um, after talking to many, many international students who come to me um, after they feel inferior or they feel like they experience some sort of failure or setback, um, feeling like they are not doing enough because they didn't do A, B, and C, which somebody else did, 
like I said, how the group of international students is such a miscellaneous group of people with so many different backgrounds and upbringings and resources, there is really no point in being disappointed in yourself because you couldn't do something that other people did. And that's how you can truly differentiate yourself anyways. You need to find what works for you, whatever, whether it be the pace or the types of accomplishments or the types of routine. Whatever works for you works for you. And that is your key to happiness and success and growth. And just I hope you celebrate each moment of your growth and success in your own way. Do not. Um, obviously, it's great to learn from other international students like us um, to maybe find the key to your solution, but it's always, it's not always going to be the spot on solution. Right. You need to try your own variations and you need to encourage yourself to keep variating things to find what's right for you. And do not be discouraged because someone else did something or you couldn't do something. Even if there is a setback, like I said about the body, you will bounce back even harder. Absolutely. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And I appreciate your time so much and all your advice. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Ricky. This was super fun to even get to talk to you. I think this is the first time I got to talk to you in like such depth that I've been anticipating this kind of talk for so long, especially after I met you that one time where I was not doing well personally. And now I feel like I am better in my own place and I'm better equipped to talk about my story and experience and journey. This has been amazing. Just love to connect with you. Thank you so much for listening to the Leadership Equity and Wellness Pod by Ricky Roy. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please leave me a review and follow me at Ricky Roy on Instagram and at Ricky underscore Roy on TikTok. Thank you so much for spending this time growing with me. Until next time, take care of yourself.